Well, hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Joe Galati podcast, broadcasting high above the Texas Medical Center in Houston, purveyor of all things related to the liver, health and wellness, nutrition, food and cooking, and all-around doctor banter and witty repartee with our experts that visit us. Our website is drjoegalati.com. If you'd like to send me a note, subscribe to our newsletter, or even see me as a patient. If you want to call and be part of the program, dial us at 888-438-9431. And now, on with the podcast. It is Sunday night in America. It is Easter Sunday. I hope all of you have had a holy and happy day together with your family, celebrating this most holy day. And for those that celebrate Passover, I hope it was equally beneficial and fruitful for our Jewish brethren that listen and are part of our community. So welcome to the program. Every Sunday night between 7 and 8 p.m., I am here delivering what I hope is the best in health and wellness on the radio, making you better consumers of health care, raising your health IQ. I love to say that. We're raising your health IQ. And we do that by giving you information that is pretty clear-cut. I like to say it is actionable, that you could hear something now and do something about it, make your life better, your life or somebody around you. We're all part of a community, our family, our coworkers, our friends, our neighborhoods, our communities, and we all have to strive to remain healthy because when you're healthy, you have fun. And when you have fun, you enjoy life. That's what it's all about. As we get older, life should not be a drag. Trust me, practicing medicine, I see firsthand how people, at really all ages, but certainly as we get older, the suffering and decline in quality of life related to not feeling well. And that is what we want to avoid so much of the chronic illnesses out there and the big heavy hitters from chronic illness, chronic disease. Everybody should know the list by now. It's chronic heart disease, which will manifest itself with chronic hypertension or high blood pressure, heart failure, cardiac arrhythmias, irregular heartbeats, diabetes. Diabetes is probably the king or queen, of chronic illness because diabetes affects your entire body from head to toe, from your neurologic function, circulation, your vision, cardiac function, your heart. If the heart is not doing well, it affects your lungs. It affects your digestive tract. There's something called diabetic gastroparesis. And that is where there is nerve damage involving the stomach and the intestines, where there is lack of normal electrical activity, and you do not and you do not get the normal contraction and emptying and movement of the stomach and the small intestine and the colon, and 
by definition, diabetic gastroparesis means your stomach doesn't empty. So you eat, you drink, and basically your stomach turns into a giant water bottle. It just, it just holds everything there. You're nauseous, you're vomiting, you feel sick, you can lose weight and have a miserable time of it. It affects your nutrition and your, your weight gain or weight loss. And so it gets into your peripheral system, your circulation of your lower extremities. You get bad circulation, amputations, infections. Diabetes leads to a fatty liver, leads to cirrhosis, liver cancer. And so when you want to talk about a chronic illness or a systemic illness, diabetes really is the, is the perfect example. But again, the idea is to try to prevent and reduce the chance that you have complications or even develop it in the first place. So that is what our main mission is here. Now, to get in touch with me, very simple. DrJoeGalati.com. DrJoeGalati.com is our website. You can go there first and foremost, sign up for our newsletter. Every Wednesday, it comes to your inbox. It is my gift to you. Now, if you sign up, all the new newsletter sign-uppers will get a little freebie. It is a guide to dietary fiber. So sign up tonight, drjogalati.com at the top. Sign up, subscribe to the newsletter, name, email. Within the hour, you will get the high fiber diet guide. And and who doesn't want something free these days, right? We're giving it to you. Drjogalati.com. All right. On the program tonight, it's Easter. It is traditionally a little difficult to get some guests to come on. So typically Easter, some of the other holidays that were on the air, it is me and you. And I have selected a, uh, a variety of articles that are in the news having to do with exercise, having to do with substance abuse, all very enlightening. So I would say Stay tuned. We'll have a relaxing program tonight talking about some of the items in the news. The first one, and I have a feeling we're going to have to take a, uh, a commercial break here. It has to do, it's actually two separate articles. One has to do with the effect of brisk walking and memory and the aging brain. The other has to do with exercise and limiting the cognitive decline in Parkinson's disease. Two totally separate articles that that came out within the last week or so. And once again, it points to the value of exercise, regardless of your age, but especially in our older population. And older these days, are we talking 70, 75? I would say, regardless of your age, you want to develop good habits with regard to exercise now. Do it now. If you're 40 years old and not exercising, get into a good routine now, and it'll really save you a lot of misery later on. So we're going to take a break right now. Don't forget, don't forget, go to drjoegalati.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Let me see. I will see everybody that signs up for the newsletter. 
And I want to hear from everybody. DrJoeGalati.com. All right, stay tuned. A few commercials. Don't leave. And I'll be right back. I hope you are having a pleasant Easter Sunday evening. You might be driving home from family's house if you dared get together with the resolving COVID situation. Or maybe you're heading to work, coming home from work. But I do appreciate your spending part of your Sunday evening with me and this show called Your Health First. Don't forget, drjoegalati.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Check out all that we do. Check out the social media. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Lots of educational videos, demonstrations on YouTube regarding health, wellness, liver disease, and By day, I am a liver specialist. Our practice is liver specialists of Texas. We take care of people with liver disease, cirrhosis, alcoholic liver disease, cancer, other digestive issues. If it involves your gut, give us a call. We're happy to help out. And if you go to drjogalati.com, all of the links are there. All right. So as I was saying, we're going to have a little bit of a laid-back program this evening, talking about some items in the news, things that are, I think, meaningful to everybody here. So first thing, two articles on exercise and neurologic function. So the first one is a little bit less technical. This was uh, out of the New York Times by Gretchen Reynolds, and I have been saying for years, I have to get her on the radio. She does an article or a column called Phys Ed, and I have been in touch with her. We have emailed, we have texted, and for one reason or another, it's either her problem or my problem, we don't get together. But nonetheless, I promise you in the next month or so, we're going to get her on. Anyway, she has a nice article here about the title, Brisk Walking is Good for the Aging Brain. And what they found is that individuals, older people that have early cognitive impairment, so their memory is starting to decline, that those individuals that had brisk walking, now brisk walking is defined in this particular research study as exercise that raised your heart rate and raised your respiration rate. So brisk walking is not walking your poodle from the front door to the curb and back in. All right. It's not a foot race. It is not a sprint. But brisk walking is you're walking at a pretty good clip to the point where heart rate goes up and you feel a sense that your respiratory rate has gone up. And the, the, the rationale for why they believe the cognitive function has improved or does improve is because of blood flow. It's all because of blood flow. If you want to look at any damage to any organ in the body, whether it's your foot, your brain, your heart, your liver, if you impair 
the blood flow, you'll have trouble. Increase the blood flow, you're, deli- you're delivering more oxygen to that tissue, you're going to get better function. And so what they're saying here is that with improved blood flow through the exercise, you get changes in blood flow to the brain. You get more blood and oxygen, which is carried in the blood, nutrients to the brain cells that may actually become a problem as we get older. So as we get older, our arteries narrow, they become more stiff, and this impedes the amount of blood getting to the brain, and bingo, we get worse function. And so they found that the people that did exercise had improvement in their cognitive function. And the people that they were studying were people with some early Alzheimer's, some early Alzheimer's disease. So bottom line here, actionable information. If you think you're having some memory cognitive problems, make sure you're exercising. Now, of course, be evaluated by your physician. Maybe see a neurologist or a geriatrician or somebody that specializes in memory, cognitive issues, Alzheimer's, dementia, etc. I'm not saying, hey, you think grandma is losing her memory and just buy her a pair of sneakers and a treadmill. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there is value in exercise. Okay, now, second story, which basically is a little bit more detailed. This has to do with Parkinson's disease. Now, along with Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia, Parkinson's disease does result in a decline in cognitive function. Now, in this particular study, they were looking at a particular protein in the brain. It's APOE4, which is tied to cognitive decline in Parkinson's disease. And what they found They looked at 173 recently diagnosed Parkinson's patients who carried this protein, APOE4, and these individuals had a steeper rate of decline in their neurologic function compared to the non-carriers. So within the the whole group of people with Parkinson's, those that had this particular protein tended to do worse. And what they found is that exercise modified the effect of this protein, this APOE4 protein, on the progression of Alzheimer's disease. And they hypothesize that physical activity plays a role in modulating the association between APOE4 and cognitive decline in Parkinson's disease. So they're not quite sure why this is, but there is this growing connection between genes, a certain genetic predisposition, and physical activity interaction. So this is an area of science that is continuing to be beneficial. And so what they're trying to also look at is within Parkinson's disease, this apoprotein, APOE4, 
maybe also uh, have a role in Alzheimer's disease. That's what we were talking about in the prior study. So there's overlap of the research, but the take-home message here, which I want to leave you with, physical activity, exercise, movement is beneficial. It's been, you know, we've known about this for 100 years, but it's just a matter of everybody taking this kind of research seriously that we have to look at ourselves and say, look, we have to exercise more. There's no two ways of getting around it. And the idea, chronic illness, now again, is exercise going to prevent Alzheimer's? Is exercise going to uh, uh, reduce memory loss? I'd like to think that it can help it, even if you could improve your memory by 10% or 30%. Isn't it worth it? Isn't it worth it? You don't want to be that guy or that girl when you're 75 years old to have no memory, and then other things that you want to do are affected. You won't be able to drive. You won't be able to take care of yourself. You can't cook for yourself because you don't remember that you've got the stove on or you know where you are. You get lost. So it has implications, and I like to think out of you know all of the uh, things that we do or recommend, exercise is uh, pretty nominal of an investment. All right, Dr. Joe Galati, don't forget, you should know it, drjogalati.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Be part of the program. Stay tuned. The news is coming up with Sally Adams, one of my favorite people. And we'll be right back. She waits for Welcome back, everybody. Dr. Joe Galati. Welcome to the program. DrJoeGalati.com is our website. Sign up for the newsletter. Get a free download on dietary fiber, everything you and your family need to know about fiber. Fiber is so important. And it's uh, underappreciated. DrJoeGalati.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Do it now. Do it now. Be part of the program. And that way, every Wednesday, you're going to hear from us and be in the know. Better consumer of healthcare. All right. So for this uh, Easter Sunday evening, taking a little bit of a more relaxed approach to the program, going over some articles in the news. And we were talking about exercise and brain function. We are now going to shift gears to the role of plastic. So there was an article recently published that plastic chemicals linked to postpartum depression in women. So this chemical exposure in pregnancy is tied to lower progesterone levels. So we have known for the last 15, 20 years that the plastics that are in the environment, the plastics that are in all of the different food packaging and containers that we have throw off the hormonal balance. And in this particular study, they're looking at progesterone and that 
changes in progesterone are going to lead to postpartum depression. And they talk about these endocrine-disrupting chemicals commonly found in plastics. And without getting into the detail, it's polyvinyl chloride, which is in a number of personal care products. There are other chemicals, dianoctylphthalate, D-N-O-P, as they call it, are uh, they're used to make plastics more malleable and commonly found in medical tubing and food packaging. Now, you could say, okay, well, A, I'm not pregnant. Um, I'm not having any more children. Uh, I'm a guy. Uh, what does progesterone have to do with this? I, I, I think that we have to look and say, we are surrounded by all of these plastic products. Now, this is a huge discussion that we're not going to be able to tackle here. But 30, 40 years ago, my mother, who I talk about a lot, rest in peace. She was such a huge influence on me and the rest of the family. She would only put food in a glass container. And back then, in the 1970s, what did she know about plastics and progesterone? Nothing. But she did have a sense that putting food or heating up food in glass was the safest thing. And that was when a lot of the Tupperware, let's say, as a particular brand, I'm not blaming Tupperware. I don't know what is in Tupperware, to tell you the truth. But anyway, all of these plastic containers, non-glass containers, and she was totally against all of that. And, and so what do we have to do? Okay, so number one, there's the opportunity to buy all of this manufactured food, pre-made food, synthetic food made in a laboratory where you don't know what's in the packing, you don't know what's in the boxing, but I could tell you one thing, it probably is a lot of these chemicals that are screwing with our, our body from our hormones to our immunity, et cetera. So if you could do anything tonight, it is make a pact with yourself and with your family to eat more natural food, fresh fruit, fresh vegetables that's not packaged. And stay away and look carefully as a consumer to look at products that are in these different packaging arrangements. This stuff is not good for you. Next story. Escalating cocaine opioid deaths started well before the pandemic. And this, this again, is another topic that we could spend hours upon. And so what they are saying is that the number of deaths associated with cocaine and opioids was on an upward slant, an upward trend for the 10 years, 2009 to 2019, way before COVID hit. So we can't blame everything on COVID. There were a lot of things in society that were well on their way going in the wrong direction, I must say, that we have to look at. And so what the article is saying, from 2009 to 19, deaths involving cocaine and opioids, the combination, rose more quickly than those involving cocaine but not opioids. So cocaine alone deaths was not rising as quickly as the combination 
of the two. And what they said is during this 10-year time frame, the rate of overdose death deaths involving both cocaine and opioids jumped from 0.7 per 100,000 to 3.8 per 100,000, while overdose deaths involving cocaine alone without the opioids increased from 0.7 to 1.1. So still tragic, but the rate of the combination was really out of control. Now, what they're talking about, another another part of the story here, the advisory group showed that in the 12-month period ending May of 2020, cocaine-related death overdoses increased by 26% and were likely connected to using cocaine with illicitly manufactured fentanyl and heroin. Now, when you look at what's going on at the border, and the influx of you don't know who and what, you have to realize, and I would think you are sticking your head in the sand if you are not thinking that the drug runners and the cartels are just dumping the synthetically made fentanyl and heroin on the streets of America, and it's killing our young people. The advisory also reported that overdose deaths involving stimulants like methamphetamine climbed even faster than deaths involving cocaine, consistent with methamphetamine growth in the illicit drug supply and increases in treatment admissions. Synthetic opioids were the primary driver of increase in overdose deaths. So this problem is not going away. This is still a major public health problem a psychological, psychiatric problem of addiction, but it is the availability. One part of it is the availability of all of these medications, and we have to shut down where these are coming from. And lastly, before we take our final break, many e-cigarette users want to quit, okay? But it seems like a study, they don't quite have the willpower that they need to stop. And so what they're saying is they have intentions of wanting to stop, but they can't quite get around to doing it. Plans to quit and the strength of the intention, the, the, the wanting to quit, was most pronounced in e-cigarette users who had quit conventional smoking and less so in those who had never smoked or who are currently vaping and smoking. So there's still a big problem with people that are vaping that they cannot stop. And again, more and more research is showing that vaping in the long run is not healthy. Now, people make the argument, well, it's better than smoking camels. Well, it may be, but you're just trading one risk, one problem for another set of problems. So Do not look at it. If your kids are vaping, that it's better than having Joe Camel uh, in their life. It's, it's, uh, It's all bad. All right, we're gonna go out with the Eagles, Dr. Joe Galati. Don't forget, drjoegalati.com is our website. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Final segment coming up. 
Welcome back, everybody. Final segment of this week's Your Health First. Hope you're having a great Easter Sunday with your family and the ones you love. We're here every Sunday between 7 and 8 p.m. Your Health First is the name of the program. I'm Dr. Joe Galati, and our website, drjoegalati.com. And we're asking you, sign up for the newsletter. Go right now, drjoegalati.com. At the top of the news, at the top of the webpage, to sign up for the newsletter. Do that tonight. It'll make me happy. It'll make you happy, too. You'll be a better consumer of healthcare and follow along with all that we do and raise your health IQ. I think that's the simplest thing. All right, so for the final few minutes here of this week's program, and don't forget, it is Sunday. And tomorrow's the beginning of the week, and take a few minutes this evening to take stock, take inventory. What are we, what am I going to be eating this week for dinner? Is it five nights of takeout, five nights of DoorDash, five nights of drive through You're doing nothing for yourselves except for spending your hard-earned money on junk food. And that adds to weight gain, high blood pressure, diabetes, and, and making you feel rotten. So it's not too late to plan a few meals at home. Are you going to pick up some fresh salmon tomorrow and bake it or grill it? You could go online. There are thousands upon thousands of recipes that you can pick. Pick up some fresh vegetables. And again, you could roast them. You could stir fry them, grill them, steam them if you have to. But there's more to vegetables than steaming. What's for lunch? Instead of going out or having somebody at work deliver it, make a salad. Take some yogurt, nuts, an apple. But you have to plan. Same for the kids. What are the kids going to do? A lot of families tell me that because their kids are on a very busy social schedule, there's practice and meetings and clubs that they go to, that that the idea of making dinner and, and, and cooking becomes the lowest priority. And it's a shame. It really, It really is a shame. All right, so the final article here, and I am going to post all of the articles on the Dr. Joe Galati Facebook page, at Dr. Joe Galati on Facebook. Now, this is written by Anahad O'Connor. Now, for regular listeners to Your Health First, you know that Anahad has probably been on the program probably about eight, ten times, and he never disappoints me with the articles that he writes. 
first of all, they're well-written, but also the subjects are spot-on for what we all need to be thinking. And I will be getting on ahead on the program. I texted him early today, and, and he's up for coming back on the program. The title, Teenage Brains May Be Especially Vulnerable to Marijuana and Other Drugs. So what the, the gist of this story is that adolescents and teenagers who experiment with marijuana and prescription drugs are more likely to get hooked on them than young people or adults who try these drugs for the first time when they're in college or older. So it is our adolescents and teenagers who are the most precious to us. And what they're finding is that the young people are very vulnerable to the intoxicating effects of certain drugs, and that early exposure, just a touch of experimenting, might prime their brain, that prime their brain to desire them more and more and more. And what do you find? That these young people are becoming addicted to these substances. Now, there is a certain dumbing down of the use of marijuana. And for the longest time, experts in drug addiction have said marijuana is a gateway drug, that you can get hooked on it, and it negatively impacts the overall neurologic and psychiatric psychological function of individuals. And it has been universally poo-pooed by those that follow a pro-marijuana posture. It's not that bad. It's not as bad as alcohol. Well, alcohol is not good either. And so early exposure to marijuana, nicotine in the form of cigarettes and alcohol, might lead to faster development of substance use disorder. And what they found is that if you look at two age groups, adolescents between 12 and 17 and young adults between 18 and 25, alcohol was by far the most commonly used in both groups. But roughly 15% had experimented with marijuana. 13% said they tried tobacco. But the most troubling part is that when Young people try these substances. Within one year, 11% are addicted. Within three years, 20% are addicted. Within three years of trying marijuana, 20% are addicted. And the same goes for other substances and opioids. They go on to say that studies now regularly Studies show that regularly using marijuana can affect cognition in adults, leading to impairment in parts of the brain that are involved in learning, reasoning, and paying attention. With the rise in vaping, people are vaping and putting marijuana in there, and all of the states that are making marijuana legal, the accessibility to it, it's creating a nightmare. We are going to have an entire population of youth that are messed up. They won't be able to concentrate. They won't be able to work. And they're going to be a burden for themselves and for their families. And this notion 
that it's a rite of passage to smoke marijuana, no way would any health expert support that notion. Same with alcohol. I've talked to numerous patients and family members or neighbors that they'd rather have their adolescent kids drink at home than somewhere else. No, the answer is don't drink anywhere. Don't try pot anywhere or these other drugs. And again, as we've said many times, the marijuana of today has much higher concentration of THC, the active ingredient. So the idea that while mom and dad were potheads back in the 70s, uh, you know, my kid could do it. It's, you know, look at me. I turned out okay. That's a bad attitude. So we have to. And, and, and again, the, the people that make the laws that are legalizing marijuana, I think it's a bunch of lip service to say that they are concerned about the citizenship and especially the children. Where are the teachers? Where are the coaches? Where are the parents sticking up for their kids? All right, everybody. Don't forget our podcast. You can connect to that on drjoegalati.com and all of our social media. These articles will be posted on the Facebook page of Dr. Joe Galati at Dr. Joe Galati. All right. Stay well, eat well, exercise, good for your brain. We talked about that for a while. And we'll see you next Sunday night. Take care. Thanks for listening today to our podcast. Don't forget, for more information, check out drjoegalati.com. Information about my book, Eating Yourself Sick, is available there, as well as our clinical practice, radio program, and social media links. We need you to be part of our tribe and community. Until we meet again, I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Ciao.